Good morning, everyone. If you would, open up your Bibles to the book of Numbers. We'll be in Numbers chapters 1 and 2 this morning. As you see printed in your bulletin, we'll be reading from a selection from these two chapters. If I read them all the way through, that's all I could do this morning. So we'll do a little bit of a selection to get a taste of where we are going. But I would encourage you to spend time reading the full chapters before you come to worship each Sunday as we go through the book of Numbers so that you are prepared for all that is there. Now, I've been asked by several people, why are we doing a study in the book of Numbers? Now, I believe that Numbers has gotten a bit of a bad rap because of its name. And because the opening chapters are mostly lists of names. However, within this text is the history of Israel's journey from the base of Mount Sinai to the edge of the land of Canaan. There are intriguing stories of Israel's rebellion, Moses' frustration, and the Lord's faithfulness. There's heavenly bread, huge flocks of quail, water from a rock, and even a talking donkey. But the main reason we go to the book of Numbers is because it reveals to us the person and work of Christ. For the Lord Himself said in John 5.46, For if you believed Moses, you would believe Me, for He wrote of Me. But if you do not believe His writings, how will you believe My words? If we do not know and believe what Moses wrote, then how will we understand and believe the words of Christ, the fulfillment of Moses' word? Now I admit there will be times when the text doesn't seem real exciting. Time when the names and the numbers will become monotonous. But in the end, this journey is one that is well worth taking. Because with each word of Moses we hear and believe, we grow deeper in our knowledge of Christ. Now the book of Numbers begins in the middle of the story of Israel. In the book of Exodus, Israel has been delivered from Egypt. They have been brought to Mount Sinai and given the law. And for the past 13 months, they have been camped out getting ready to take hold of the promised land. They are a people who have come from one land, Egypt, but they have not come into their promised land, Canaan. They are between two lands. And this may be why the New Testament authors saw this time in Israel's history in particular as an apt paradigm for understanding the Christian life. We have received deliverance from sin and Satan, but we still await Entering into the fullness of our salvation when Christ returns and brings us home. Like wandering Israel, we too are exiles and aliens. We are waiting for and journeying towards a better country. So if you would, turn your attention now to Numbers chapter 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel, 
by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from twenty years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war, you and Aaron shall list them company by company. But the Levites were not listed along with their ancestral tribe. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Only the tribe of Levi you shall not list, and you shall not take a census of them among the people of Israel. But appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, and over all its furnishings, and over all that belongs to it. They are to carry the tabernacle and all its furnishings, and they shall take care of it, and shall camp around the tabernacle. When the tabernacle is set out, the Levites shall take it down. And when the tabernacle is to be pitched, the Levites shall set it up. And if any outsider comes near, he shall be put to death. The people of Israel shall pitch their tents by their companies, each man in his own camp, and each man by his own standard. But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. And the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. Thus did the people of Israel. They did according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, The people of Israel shall camp each by his own standard. With the banners of their father's houses they shall camp facing the tent of meeting on every side. These are the people of Israel as listed by their fathers' houses. All those listed in the camps by their companies were 603,550. But the Levites were not listed among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. Thus did the people of Israel, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses, so they camped by their standards, and so they set out each one in his clan according to his father's How? This is God's holy word for His people. Let us pray. Blessed You are, Lord, great God. For the testimonies of the prophets, we bless You. For the statutes of Your law, we bless You. For the gospel of Christ and the witness of the apostles, we bless You, O glorious God. Grant us the spirit of Your glory and the brightness of Your presence that we might read Your Word and understand through Jesus Christ, our gracious Lord. Amen. Being prepared for a trip doesn't always mean just having what you will need. It also means having what you might need. When April and I were young, we would just hop in the car and go. No thought of what to bring on an overnight trip. You have your toothbrush, you're good to go. But once we had kids, the preparation for the journey increased a bit, to say the least. Our first trip home with the baby, we not only had to have everything that we would need, we had to have everything that we could need. Diapers, wipes, numerous change of clothes, high chair, bouncy seat, portable crib. We had lotions and powders and medicines. Early on, I bemoaned this increase of goods. I wanted to be free. I wanted to be simple. Why do we have to pack up the minivan with all this stuff? I just wanted to get up and go. 
But when we got stuck in the middle of the night with no children's Tylenol and a sick baby, I realized that being prepared for the journey didn't mean just having what you will need. It's having what you might need. To be truly prepared means planning for the unexpected. The trip from Sinai to Canaan could have been as short as two weeks. Grab your toothbrush, Israel, and go. But the Lord knew that He needed to prepare His people for a much longer journey home. He knew that His children would need more than two weeks of food. He knew that they would need more than two weeks of clothes. He knew that they would need more than they could possibly prepare for on their own. And so what we see in the opening chapters of Numbers is the Lord preparing Israel for the unexpected. He was preparing Israel for the hardships of the journey. You see, the Lord prepares His people for the long road with an eye to future needs. Israel thought it would be a sprint to Canaan, but the Lord knew it would be more like a marathon. And in our Christian walk, we often believe that the road to glory will be smooth and painless. But Jesus warns us that the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. The journey that the Lord has His people on was never meant to be easy. It is hard. Yet what we see in our text for this morning is that the Lord prepares His people for a hard journey. And as we encounter hardships in our walk with the Lord, we must remember that we have been prepared and we will be sustained to the end. Now I think that every family has a story about a child being left behind. My cousin was once left at Mile High Stadium in Denver following a football game. He was about 10 years old and decided that he was going to switch cars that he rode home in. My dad was driving one car, my uncle was driving the other, and each thought that my cousin Greg was in the other car. And when they got home to Colorado Springs, an hour later they realized that they had left Greg behind. Now, he was fine when they got back to pick him up two hours later, but I'm not sure that my aunt was fine. And this is why you always do a count. Once you get over two kids, you have to count them to make sure that you don't leave anyone behind. You will see me doing this every time we go through. One, two, three, four. All right, we're ready to go. And as Israel is heading out on their journey, the Lord does a head count of His people. He does this to prepare the people for what is coming. Look at verse 2. The Lord commands Israel, Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel by clans, by fathers' houses, according to the number of names, every male, head by head, from twenty years old and upward, all in Israel who are able to go to war. Now the primary purpose of this census is for conscription. 
That is, the people of Israel needed to know how many soldiers they had. They needed to be numbered so that they could be ready to go to war. Being numbered is an important aspect of being in battle. In the army, your service number ensures that you are able to be identified and accounted for. The army needs to know how many soldiers they have so they can equip them, so they can feed them, and so they can ensure that everyone makes it home. And here the Lord knows that the journey to Canaan will include war. There will be battles to be fought. And so account is taken of each tribe of Israel so that they will be prepared for the battle to come and so that no one will be lost. In the midst of the battle, we must remember this truth as well. The Lord has numbered His people so that each one of us is accounted for. The numbering of God's people for war means that God is not unaware of the battle to come, but has prepared a role to ensure everyone makes it home. If you read through the book of Revelation, you will see that it continually refers to this book of life. It is the roll sheet for heaven. It is the census of the saints. And if your name is written in it, it will not be blotted out. There will be struggles, there will be hardships, there will be conflicts, there will be battles. If you have been numbered among God's people though, you will never be left behind. The battle may be hard fought and the journey may be tortuous, but God has numbered His people and will bring them home. As the Lord Jesus says to His disciples, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Lord knows that the journey home is hard and fraught with battles. And you might feel like you have been left behind. You might feel like you've been stranded and forgotten. You feel lonely. You feel fearful. Maybe you're here this morning, but you feel lost in this crowd of people. Like you don't belong because of your sin or because of your struggle. God knows this. He has numbered His people. And He will ensure that no one is missing following the battle of life. He knows your name. He knows your need. You have been counted. In the midst of your struggle, remember and trust that the Lord has prepared for the battles of life by numbering His people. The Lord Jesus Himself says that if one of the hundred goes astray, that He will seek that one out and bring it back to the full. You see, we must remember on this journey that we have been numbered by the Lord. The next thing that we see is that we are present with the Lord. As we read at the end of chapter 1, the Levites are exempt from the census for war. They have another role to play. They are set aside to ensure that the tabernacle remains in the midst of the people of Israel. As you may know, the tabernacle was where the Lord met with His people. It was based on the heavenly temple and served as the place for God's 
presence. And the Levites would assemble it and they would disassemble it and move it and then reassemble it so that God's presence could remain with His people. And here the Lord makes a special provision to ensure that His presence would not depart from the people during their journey to Canaan. In the future, when Israel was settled in the land, a stationary temple would be built. But for the period of Israel's journey to the promised land, the temple was portable. You see, the Lord humbled Himself to live in a mobile home so that He could ensure that wherever the people of Israel wandered, He would be with them. We see two important ways that the Lord was present with His people. First... He is present with His people to fight their battles. The army of the Lord went out with the presence of the Lord. God does not just number His soldiers and then send them out. He rides forth into battle with His people. And through setting aside the Levites to care for the tabernacle, He ensures that He will be with His people in the midst of their struggle. But the second way that we see that the Lord's, Lord is present with His people is that He was with them in the midst of their sin and rebellion as well. Look at verse 53 of Numbers 1. There we read, But the Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony, so that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel. You see, the Lord provided a mediator between Himself and His people. The Levites ensured that God's holy presence would not consume a sinful people. The Lord knew that there would be battles, but He also knew that there would be rebellion. He knew that His people would sin and that preparations would have to be made to ensure that His wrath did not consume His people in the midst of their rebellion. And the Lord knows that you are going to deal with battles in your Christian life, but that you will also deal with sin. He knows that you're going to rebel. He knows that you're going to wander off on your own. And He has made provision for you so that you are not consumed by His wrath. For He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the mediator of the new covenant. To act as a better priest than the Levites. To offer a better sacrifice of His own body and blood so that God's wrath will not come against the congregation of His people ever again. On your journey, Christian, you will have struggles and you will have failures. And while there will be consequences in this world for your sin, you must be assured that Christ, the great high priest, has made a way for us to be present with God even in the midst of our sin. By His blood, He has turned aside the wrath of God for your rebellion. Not just past rebellions, but He looks forward to the journey that you are on and He makes provision so that your sin will not cause you to be separated from God during this journey and you will be brought home. Maybe today you have turned from the Lord. Or maybe you are a wayward covenant child. Maybe you have fallen into sin. 
The Lord is not surprised by this turn in your journey home. And He has made provision to be present with you even in the midst of your wandering and your rebellion and in your sin. In Christ, God's anger against sin has been turned aside and you are even now being called home by His presence with you. The Lord prepares us for a hard journey by preparing for us a mediator in Christ. So on this journey home, we must remember that we've been numbered by the Lord. We must remember that we are present with the Lord. And the final thing that we see in our text is that we have been ordered by the Lord. Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. There it says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, The people of Israel shall camp each by his own standard with the banners of their father's houses. They shall camp facing the tent of meeting on every side. In chapter 2, we see that the Lord arranges the people of Israel according to their ancestral tribe. The Levites are in the center of the camp, caring for the tabernacle. And then at each directional point are three tribes, like spokes around the center of a wheel. To the east, leading the people, are Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. To the south is Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. To the west is Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. And to the north is Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. The Lord arranges His people for the journey. Now it's commonly known that militia can rarely contend with regular troops in battle. Why? Well, because of training. Regular troops have been trained for battle. They know where they are supposed to stand. They know how they are supposed to move. In the midst of the chaos of war, the disciplined order of regular troops keeps them stable and ready for the fight. And the Lord prepares Israel for the difficulties of the journey home by getting them in proper order for the journey. They know who is to lead them into battle. They know who will take the north and the south and the rear flank. They have been ordered so that they can move at the Lord's command. You see, the battle is not the time you try to bring order. It is in the battle that you rely on your training. You trust that the man to your right and your left and your rear will fight with you. You trust that even though you can't see what is happening all around you, that they have your back. It is in the midst of the battle that you have to trust the discipline and the order that has been given. And in our Christian journey, we too have been given marching orders from the Lord. By His Word, He has given order to our lives so that when the hardships and battles of life come, we are prepared to face them. We know how we are to walk even in the midst of the struggle. There is order in our worship. Because we need to be trained week in and week out to repent of our sin and hear the Lord's promise of forgiveness. So that when the fog of spiritual battle comes, you have so ordered your life that instinctively you repent and trust in the forgiveness of Christ. 
You order your time to come to worship on Sunday so that when hardship comes, you know where to run. You order your finances to tithe and to give generously so that when financial hardships come and the temptation to love money more than Christ comes, you are disciplined to let go. We submit ourselves to the order of the church government through membership so that when we need help or correction or discipline, we can trust that the order God has ordained is there for our benefit. You see, God gives order to His people so that they will be prepared for the hardships of their journey to the promised land. But in the midst of this order, I wonder if the tribe of Reuben ever got jealous of Judah. You see, Judah was given the place of prominence. Judah was to lead the people of Israel as the vanguard of the nation. But Reuben was the firstborn, not Judah. Reuben, by birth, should have held the place of honor. Instead, he was stuck in the southern group with Simeon and Gad. And I wonder if the tribe of of Reuben ever thought, you know, I don't like this order that the Lord has us in. I think that I will do things my own way. Throughout the book of Numbers, this is a common thought of the people. Along this journey, there will be plenty of rebellion against the order that the Lord has brought. But you know, there was a purpose for the order that the Lord had for His people. Judah, while not the firstborn, was the tribe of the promised Messiah to come. It was from Judah that one day Christ the Lord would rise. You see, Judah had to lead his people on their journey to the promised land. He had to go first. He had to take the first blows in battle. He had to be the one who sacrificed by going first, blazing the trail home, because he was to show that Christ alone could lead his people Home. Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, must take his place at the forefront of his people. And as we continue in the book of Numbers, you might be shocked by the sin that we encounter. You might be shocked by the rebellion, by the warfare, by the hardships, by the wandering. But the Lord is not shocked by these things. He has prepared and He has provided for all of His people's needs in the midst of the journey through Christ our Lord. And this morning, you might be shocked at your own journey. You might be shocked that the Lord has allowed you or your spouse or your children to wander so far afield. You might be shocked at the hardships of following Christ. You might look at your life and think, how did I ever get to this place? You might be shocked, but God isn't shocked. And while you might not feel prepared, the Lord has prepared His people for the journey. He has numbered us 
so that we will not be left behind. He is with us, leading us, so that we, even in the midst of our sin, are not abandoned. And He has ordered our lives so that we might follow Christ home. And as we follow the Lion of the tribe of Judah in faith, He will lead us onward and homeward. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord asking that He might apply this word to our hearts. Lord, we come to You now, for You are the author of spiritual life, and You have given us the good seed of Your word. So grant that we may receive it into our hearts, And may so guard it by your grace against the schemes of the enemy and the cares of life that seek to steal it away. May the faith and the hope and love which your grace has brought to life within us flourish and grow to full maturity. So that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we may not be found lacking, but abounding in all good fruit and works. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.